apologize to everybody for being um, a little bit a little bit later than usual this evening. It is six seventeen, and we are returning from a workshop uh, where we met to discuss um, the elementary literacy curriculum with Ms. Rooney and Ms. Abrams. It was a um, uh, very informative session. And so with that, uh, we are going to now call to order, I believe, the school committee meeting, which we need to do, of February 2nd, 2023. Can I get a motion to begin? So moved. Second. All in favor and by roll call since Ms. O'Halloran is joining us virtually this evening. Ms. Arbolito? Aye. Ms. Moran? Aye. Ms. O'Halloran? Aye. And it's an aye for me, for Sarah. We are uh, beginning. Okay, so uh, as we get moving this evening, um, I actually wanted to stop and pause for a moment uh, for uh, acknowledgement of a former teacher who has passed away, Edward Posnick, <coughs> uh, and ask for everyone to hold a moment of silence in his honor. his family, who are um, parents and children in the district, uh, our, our deepest sympathies and well wishes and where. Um, if I may. Yes. Okay. Ms. Miranda, if you'd also like to speak on yes. your behalf. So uh, unfortunately, this is the second meeting in a row that we've um, had a loss of a former member of our school community. But I had Mr. Posnes for honors chemistry my sophomore year of high school. And I will say, back in the 80s, we didn't talk about anything. So um, my teachers at school did not know I was facing a gravely ill family member at home. Um, but Mr. Pauses did know I was struggling with chemistry that year. And he was very kind and, once again, generous with his time in helping me you know, ultimately pass chemistry, gave me the extra help I needed. So uh, I remember Mr. Pauses. He had a great sense of humor. And uh, again, he was very kind to me in a very dark period of my life. So. Um, my condolences to his family, uh, his, to his wife, who has worked at the Kent, well, he's retired from the Kent Public Library, but was there for many, many years in the junior room. So, um, again, uh, another loss to our school community, but again, a, a very kind and good man. So, very sad news, and we wish the best to his family. All right, uh, so moving on to the first item on our agenda this evening, it is our student advisor report. I'd like to welcome Ms. Samantha Vrabel, who is the first student advisor we've had this year, so we welcome you, uh, to tell us just a little bit more about GMS events that I believe you've learned about and formed an opinion. Please, share. Um, hello, everybody. My name is Samantha Vrabel. Um, thank you for having me. And I'm a senior at Kent High School this year. And I was given this opportunity um, by student council to be elected into an executive council. I'm also involved in other curriculars such as athletics. I'm the co-president of the Best Buddies Club at the KNI, and I'm also a member of the National Honor Society. I'm here today to discuss ongoing plans and objectives that are currently at the Galvin. This past week, I visited the Galvin as a former student and met with Principal Mulhern, where he shared his future plans and hopes for the school. Um, as I walked into the building, I was immediately drawn to the students' work on bulletins alongside the student of the month it was decorated in vibrant colors and decorations, which was a very welcoming way of entering the building, which I had not done in a few years. 
Um, one of the major focus points he mentioned was how they are creating a deeper learning environment into the curriculum. This will allow the objectives they're learning to become more tangible and make the way of learning more interactive and interesting for the students. As a middle schooler, this will be a more memorable way to, and creative way than being lectured at while you're supposed to be taking notes. As he took me on a walk around the school, we noticed students in the hallways collaborating on a project. Allowing students to work together is extremely important, especially after COVID, being deprived of working alongside their peers with their social interaction with their peers as well. Not only learning this way, but then seeing their own work on the walls will allow them to have a sense of pride in their work in school. This creates a more friendly environment and all students as their work is being celebrated and recognized by teachers and classmates. Well, well what I saw was just the beginning. The system will make the school a day a, something to look forward to rather than something to dread. Last, lastly, we discussed the plan to create an after-school culture. At the high school, this is a highly beneficial and gives many a sense of belonging. Being able to choose an interest and pursue it alongside others with the same ideas will allow them to gain experience and make friends in the clubs. The Galvin gets out of school at around 2.15 and that leaves a large chunk of time before sleep. By creating after-school transportation resources, will allow students to participate in future after-school options, which we discussed. Um, this could allow opportunities like tutoring on homework, clubs, access to leadership roles, and possibly intramural sports. This opened doors to a sense of community for the Galvin. An idea would be to have high schoolers help out by bringing their clubs to the Galvin and possibly creating feeder programs for clubs instead of just athletics. As a middle schooler, I looked up to the high schoolers and I would be interested in the activities that they did. This would allow middle schoolers to have many opportunities to be a part of something other than just school itself and bring back their love for school since COVID. By pursuing their own interests rather than just the curriculum, this may create a opportunity for them to pursue something that they might want to do in their future and overall the changes set in place will help to provide resources after school school spirit and improve the learning environment i look forward to seeing these plans come to life and help benefit the middle school experience for the future and current students thank you for your time thank you very much great report appreciate that and i do want to say um, when we met earlier this year or well, it was last year uh, with the GMS students, they did talk about um, the importance of seeing their work on the walls. And there were a couple of students who, who wished to create permanent structures. You know, and there was, there was some sadness about it. at some point, we'll have a new Galvin and will some of these um, uh, structures and artifacts that have been created by students go away. And, and there, there was a hope that we could save them. So anyway, I, I think that you, t you, you tapped into something that's really important to students, and that's to see themselves reflected not even yeah, no, in the halls, but on the yeah. walls and everywhere else in the school. Yeah, like as we walked around the school, there was like projects, like we saw the students working in the hallway. Like I definitely think like projecting it on the walls gives them an opportunity to see it. Like, um, and I think it's just a good opportunity for them, like their peers to see it as well. Like at the high school, we have like the display cases with all the art. Like I think that would definitely help at the middle school. Terrific, and I, I want to say that your comments about uh, creating feeder programs through the clubs is, I think, very mm -hmm. prescient. Not just because it introduces students early to what opportunities are out there, but like you said, it helps build community, which is really, really important, especially for so many students who maybe have not experienced that because of COVID. So it's hard to know what's out there and what tradition is if your tradition has been cut off a bit because of the time that we spent yeah, and as a, I'm also a co-president of Best Buddies. I know we're discussing bringing like a Best Buddies program into the middle school, and I think if we brought like a lot of the clubs to the middle school, and maybe just like had a high school representative like 
go into the clubs or like talk to them? Like I know they have the sports discussed like at the end of the year, like oh what sports would be interested in? Like I think if we had that for clubs, like for the high school and like just having the clubs at the middle school, like the club sign up day, I think that would definitely be a great opportunity for the middle schoolers to get involved. Because I didn't really get involved into anything until I was a freshman, so. Yeah, I think there's nothing cooler. I know for my own sons who are um, in the middle school and have had uh, students come down from the high school to speak to them, they remember them by name and wave hi to them and <laughs> have established a relationship with a student who may not even realize that yeah. fundamentally changed their outlook on um, uh, how they're part of a bigger community that includes high school students. So very, very cool. Thank you for that report. Does anybody else have a, a, a comment or a question? Okay, if Thank not, you. thanks Thank again. You. And we'll move on to the next item on our agenda. And that is our superintendent's report. Great. Thank you very much. We're at the very beginning of February, which marks uh, Black History Month. Uh, Black History Month is celebrated each year in February to honor the achievements of African Americans in our black community to recognize their very important role in U.S. history. All of our schools have events and activities planned to engage in students in learning and discussion. Uh, in reflection. Uh, we also want to highlight that the Canton Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee has a Black History Month event. Uh, save the date at this point, uh, Tuesday, February 28th at 7 p.m. in the Canton Public Library. Uh, more details to come with that, but please save the date. They always do a fantastic job of sometimes having a speaker. They often have many of our students involved, uh, so we really hope that everyone can make it. Then our famous JFK uh, snowplow award winners. The, uh, the announcement came out um, and it was a lot of fun and to see the graphic designed by the Department of Transportation. Um, I know I was really excited uh, and have it, had it came out, there was the initial press release uh, and it was a very collaborative effort as I've learned from the second graders and all different ideas and I, I heard some of them talk about it today and eventually they took a vote, a very democratic process, and they put forward Arctic Beast uh, to be named on one of the plows for our region. Um, so they were really proud of that, and then there was a, a few winners that were named for each particular area, uh, and now they're getting some notoriety. So today started the morning at JFK, where a news crew from Channel 5 uh, WCVB uh, interviewed eight of the students and Principal Watson. They all did a fabulous job. Um, it's really, it was awesome to see him so excited and to speak authentically. Um, and I was just checking my phone. I think somewhere on um, Twitter, uh, you can see the clip and they had just put it out. So we're really excited. It was really fun to listen to the kids talk about it. There was a lot of snow day discussion in, in today's element. And I just looked at my phone. My family is texting me saying, it's really cold outside. Are you canceling school? My family. <laughs> So you can, you can see, I got three text messages there. Uh, no, not at this point, but we asked you to bundle up. The kids were really hoping for it. Um, no, the crowd says no. Um, but I just love, see, uh, the other side of the room says yes, okay. So I knew I wasn't going to get through this part without laughing too much. The kids made, made me uh, laugh so much today. They were having fun with it, and... Um, Kids just love snow. We all love snow, and this snowplow with the Arctic Beast emblem on it is going to visit JFK at some point. Uh, we don't know, but we heard recently from some parents uh, that on a Tuesday when there was some snow out there that someone got a picture of it. So it does exist. 
and it will make a visit. But we ask you to check out tonight's uh, news clip, and that, that clip will be sent out uh, to a number of folks. Um, and then just on the other end, I did send a notice to folks. It, it will be very, very cold tomorrow. We had a town meeting. Uh, we have all of our buildings being checked uh, tonight all the way through the weekend by our maintenance and custodial staff. Um, and I just ask parents to be really thoughtful about all the precautions that you can take as far as you know, making sure all the gloves, hats, uh, all those things. Uh, we will take all the precautions to make sure folks are, are safe uh, and get through to the weekend. Uh, and then we're expected to warm up again. Uh, there's a link there if you want to see the official <laughs> press release. Uh, if I could switch over to staff and student acknowledgement. Uh, on February 15th, coming up before our next meeting, uh, it's an opportunity to recognize and thank our uh, school resource officers on National School Resource Officer Appreciation Day. We are so lucky to have three amazing school resource officers, and that's Officer Ensley Cotard at CHS, Offer, uh, Officer Stephen um, Mullaney at GMS, and then Officer Eric Kaskovich at the elementary schools. We thank them for all that they do. Uh, they are there to uh, keep our schools safe, to advise us on safe practices. They monitor our campuses, uh, but probably most importantly, they develop relationships with our students and staff. And they love that aspect of it. There's a mentoring element. They have conversations. It's very genuine. Uh, they're not in uniform. They have their uh, police requirements that they, that they have. Um, but they are literally part of the staff and part of the fabric. And I thank Chief Rafferty and the entire Canton Police Department for making this investment. They make our schools better and do a fantastic job. Our family and students love them, and our staff uh, see them as, as colleagues as well. We have National Counseling Week coming up, uh, February 6th to the 10th. That, that group is, uh, in our, on our staff is so invaluable. We thank them and recognize them and acknowledge them. Their, their jobs can span uh, academic advising. It could be having a life discussion. It could be uh, something of a, of a regular mentorship or, or counseling on a regular basis. And, and they are there, and they are our point people for crises and uh, very difficult moments, be it for staff, for families, or students. So we thank them from the bottom of our hearts. They are at the point of some very difficult discussions, and they are a comforting key element. They really set the stage for everyone to learn and be the best that they can be. And honestly, the conversations that happen in their offices are guiding lights for, for them even beyond their time here in the Canton Public Schools. So thank you to the counseling department. And we have National Girls and Women in Sports a day. This is um, February 1st. It was established in 1987, uh, and it's evolved in recognition of the positive aspects of athletics in all female athletes, whether professional, amateur, or simply inspiring. In addition, the day is meant to celebrate the progress it's made uh, for Title IX, passed in 1972, providing equal access to sports uh, for females in the United States. The MIA holds an annual event in uh, April to honor National Girls and Women in Sports, and we routinely have staff and students attend that event. If I could uh, switch over to indicators of excellence, uh, JFK hit a home run with Annie Jr. They had a wonderful production, uh, and so congratulations to the cast and crew of the wonderful production of Annie Jr. We had 66 students participate as either actors, ushers, or stage crew, and a big thank you to all the parent volunteers, and kudos to JFK teacher Daniel McNamara, who directed an amazing show. Uh, we got a count, and it sounds like we had over 600 members in the audience on uh, both shows. So if you think the auditorium, it, it holds about 830 plus, 
that's a packed house and we couldn't be happier and kids had so much fun. There's a ton of photos today in the Citizen and here's some in the report as well. A couple of recognitions here for our artists in the uh, district. So there's the Emerging Young Artists Jury ex Exhibition and from that, uh, in the past 10 years at UMass Dartmouth, over 500 uh, submissions are there and, and uh, we had two students, Olivia Schnock, grade 12, and Caroline Yee, grade 12, be part of this. Out of the 500, 100 were recognized, so it is a wonderful distinction that Trish Palmer, our coordinator, uh, she certainly is so proud of them. And for us to continue to have uh, students recognized at this high level uh, just shows the, the, the work that the staff is doing, the environment that the students are thriving in. We have Scholastic Arts and Writing Awards. Uh, this is something that routinely is recognized here in Massachusetts. The, uh, there are three Scholastic Art Awards uh, winners, Molly Dwosk, Tara Gagan, and Caitlin O'Sullivan, and Scholastic Writing Awards, Emily Kelly, Kelly Woodworth, uh, Rachel Piera, and Sadie Gugliata. So congratulations to those students. This is our first run. Their names just came out. Uh, we will do a larger press release for them and a larger recognition. But you can see their slide deck with their work. Uh, so it's writing and art and just a wonderful, again, uh, recognition of some high-level talent that's in the district. Kudos to the GMS concerts that are happening. Uh, there was one on January 20th. This other one happened on January 31st. I know Mr. Mulhern and his staff were very pleased, and it was beautiful to hear music throughout the building. Also, in a recognition, we talked about the importance of having after-school extracurricular activities. Kudos to the GMS math team. Uh, that's back up and running since the pandemic. They participated recently in Mansfield and then hosted uh, a competition as well. They finished second and third recently uh, and had several high score uh, certifications. Math team from middle school through the high school is a point of pride in this district. Uh, so it is wonderful to see it uh, coming back in the pandemic elements going away. So kudos to all those kids. Can't wait to see them and see what, what's upcoming in their success. Uh, and then just a quick shout out to some Hockamock League champions uh, that were recently crowned here for the winter season. That's the CHS girls swim team, girls hockey team, and the boys hockey team all earned Hockamock League championship titles. The girls swim team, which has had uh, an incredible run of success, was undefeated in league meets and uh, has an overall record of 6-1. and one. Girls hockey is 5-1 and one in the league, 11-2-2 two two overall. Boys hockey is 6-1 in the league and boasts a 12-3 overall record. So congratulations to all of our teams and especially our Hockamock champions. Just a quick run through of dates. On February 7th, there was a communication forum, uh, excuse me, will be a communication forum coming up. Uh, and uh, Chair Miranda will be talking about that on, later in the, the meeting. February 10th is an early release, pre-K to 12, PD. February 10th and 11th is Loose Production, The Claw. There was a recent announcement that just went out around that. February 16th, we have our school committee meeting. February 20th to the 24th, uh, just a reminder for families, we have our February break during that time. And as I mentioned, that February 28th, the CDI third annual Black History Month event, Canton Public Library, 7 p.m. Thank you very much. That's my report. All right, wonderful. Definitely starting the New Year, New Year off with a bang. So much to be thankful for. Are there any other comments or questions from the school committee? Thank you. Ms. O'Halloran. Yes, hello. We can, can hear you. Can you hear me okay? Can the room hear Ms. O'Halloran? 
Yes. Yes. Thumbs up. Okay. Excellent. Thank you. Um, so three things. First of all, um, and, and my apologies, I lost connection there a minute ago, so I missed when you were talking about Annie, but a, another shout out. Thank you to everyone involved with that. Um, uh, Ms. McNamara, Ms. Akan, Ms. Cummings, thank you so much, and, and a million other people that, that really drove the success of that. Um, so thank you very much. It seemed like the kids had a wonderful time. And looking forward, I know, to our next play coming up in a couple weeks with Luce. So very exciting. Um, as far as, I just wanted to add two things with dates to that also. Um, I, I hope you don't mind. The um, CHS Athletic Boosters next week have Restaurant Week. And that starts on Sunday, goes through the end of next week. And um, they're I'm, I had memorized the website, now I'm going to forget, but it's posted on social media, it's posted in the newspaper, today's newspaper, um, listing out the restaurants and the discounts that all go back to um, CHS Boosters, so Great. another chance to, to support the community and the students there, and that runs the whole week, Saturday, uh, I'm sorry, this coming Sunday through the end of the week, um, so just wanted to make sure people were doubly aware of that. And um, as far as the elections coming up, it is my understanding, I believe, that um, I know we have Laura Arboleda, who is running for re-election. It is my understanding that perhaps we would have a vacancy in the seat. And just want to remind everyone that it, the deadline to pull papers um, with Town Hall, if you are interested in running, is February 10th. And to have them return to Town Hall with the 50 signatures uh, that are authorized and, um, and approved by Town Hall is February 14th. Thank, thank you, Kendall. That, that is right. We are planning a, well, we, we, are, we believe there will be a vacancy um, with a seat open on the school committee. Thank you, Ms. Avalita, for being willing to step up again. And uh, yes, let's please. Uh, anybody who is interested, reach out to us. We're happy to share more information uh, as we draw closer to those dates because you have to pull the papers, get 50 signatures, turn them back in um, in order to, uh, to run. There's time to do it. It's not difficult. We'll help you. But uh, please do reach out if you'd like more information on that. Ms. Pham. Um, just highlighting the Hawknell champions because I attended and lifeguarded a few of the swim meets and they had overall like great sportsmanship. They were cheering for the other team as well and they were clapping for everybody and they were just like great athletes overall. And then I find the um, snow, snow plowing and contest really fun for the second grade students. Um, it must have been so exciting for them to be interviewed by Channel 5. I love that too. I want to see all of our snow plows in town and our <laughs> <biggest> junior. <laughs> Um, it's awesome, so thank you for highlighting those two. All right, so the, we'll move on to the next item on our agenda, and that is E, our teaching and learning report. We have Principal Mulhern here to share an update with us on inst instructional practices at the GMS. Welcome, Principal. teaching and learning practices at the Galvin. I hope I can do as good a job as uh, Samantha Vrabel did um, just now. It was really a pleasure to meet with her. 
Uh, I was thrilled to find out, actually, that Samantha is an aspiring educator herself uh, and will be doing her externship with us, which uh, we're really excited about. So we'll welcome her in the spring. Um, as a former English and humanities teacher, I certainly appreciate an assignment that provides for some latitude uh, when it comes to the final product, and certainly uh, I think that this one falls under that. I will admit that I had a difficult time honing in on a focus. Uh, I'm half a year in, and not for lack of material, uh, really for an abundance of material, so it's a good reason to have a hard time uh, honing in. So I do want to acknowledge, and it's already been acknowledged here, the terrific work our staff has done in their extracurricular offerings uh, so far this year. We've had a wonderful fall and winter sports season. Uh, we just had two very successful winter concerts right in, in our gym. We welcomed a lot of our families in. Uh, they were really uh, positive events for our whole school community. Uh, our visual arts uh, folks, our specialists. Uh, I was just speaking with Principal Kilday before the beginning of this meeting about the wonderful work uh, that the folks in our access program do. Uh, for the students in that program. So I do want to shout out the entire staff at the Galvin for all of their hard work. Uh, what I've learned uh, over the course of my first half year is it's a, it's a group that really understands middle schoolers and their needs, and they strive to, to support them in all ways at all times. So um, I do want to, to begin that way. But in terms of the, the focus I landed on, I did want to highlight um, some of the deeper learning work uh, that we've done through the year. And I, I do want to make clear that I picked, I zeroed in on three projects that, were, that are done at each grade level, um, one at each grade level, I should clarify. Uh, but these are three of, of many examples of the type of work that happens every single day uh, at the school. And the reason I wanted to highlight these types of projects is number one I was looking back to the school improvement plan and how we're aligned with the district priority uh, where we're creating rigorous relevant contemporary learning experiences uh, so that the students learning journey supports their development and prepares them for their futures um, my experience in middle school and you know your own experience with middle schoolers yourselves will bear out that they are developing uh, in ways they're developing and starting to assert their independence in multiple ways and sometimes that assertion of independence manifests itself in sort of annoying ways um, <laughs> or maybe worse uh, but it is it's an important important stage of their development and it's something that we really want to harness uh, through the curriculum and through instruction uh, so we always aim to offer learning experiences to challenge students to find the connections between the academic disciplines so they're not just seeing everything as siloed, uh, and, to give a, and to give the students an opportunity to connect their learning to their day-to-day -day lives and how they might be involved uh, in their careers later on or in their volunteer work or in their community later on. So um, that really is the goal every day. Uh, to make sure that as they work their way through the middle school, they're finding their voice, they're finding a way to assert their independence in a very healthy and productive way so that they're ready for the, the next level and beyond. With that in mind, uh, I landed on, like I said, one project that each of our grade level teams has worked on uh, at some time during the course of this year. Uh, our grade six English teacher team uh, has been engaging their students in the creation of uh, cookbooks by class uh, and by, by team. 
Uh, in grade seven, there's a very late, there's a really important instructional unit on the water cycle and how it manifests in uh, sort of everyday use, uh, culminating with uh, a project where the students actually test the water quality at the school itself. Um, and in the eighth grade, I wanted to highlight the social studies uh, beginning of the year project where students complete identity charts uh, for themselves, uh, which kind of lays the groundwork for um, a lot of their discussions that are civics-based uh, as they go through the year. So I, I brought screenshots uh, of samples of, of each of these. Uh, this is an excerpt from one sixth grade uh, cookbook that was submitted. And what you'll notice, and I know the font is small on the bottom, I apologize for that. Um, what you'll notice is that the assignment on the one hand really engages students in practicing two very important types of, of writing skills. One, uh, they had to use their sensory vocabulary words to describe the dish and the background, the cultural background, the family history background, uh, or you know, to explain why they picked this particular dish. Uh, and that's really important practice in expository writing, which is obviously incredibly important for communication down the line. But they also uh, need to practice their technical writing with precision um, and, and, you know, make sure that they're communicating clearly the steps that it takes to recreate this recipe. Uh, and that's a very different mode of writing, but I think we'll all agree is equally uh, important uh, depending on, on, you know, what you end up doing later in your life. You know, taking a larger picture view, what the end product is, is every student chooses a recipe to share, shares something about the background of it. The teachers have all committed to binding these recipes together and presenting each uh, team with their own cookbook uh, by the end of the project. So it's a really great way for students to learn a little bit about their peers' background. Uh, as we all know, food and culture are inextricably linked, and so it's, it's a really nice way to celebrate the diversity of backgrounds, the diversity of experiences that our students have, while also exercising um, some really important learning muscles. So uh, hats off to our sixth grade team uh, that has really collaborated on this um, and has committed to, to making this something that, that is a really nice final product for our sixth grade students. Um, our seventh grade, water cycle project. This is, like I said, part of a larger unit. They start by examining the water cycle as it exists in nature, and then they spend a good deal of time examining how a town like Canton manages the water supply and what happens with wastewater and how um, different filtration systems are used to make sure that we all have um, safe water to drink. Uh, they build their own filtration devices at a certain point along the unit, and they test them out. They see which materials work best uh, and which are, are not very good. They run some experiments to see what kinds of things are okay to add to the system and other things that um, cause, cause major environmental problems when they're uh, put into the, to the water supply. So uh, it's a really hands-on unit. It's really got a local focus. They focus a lot on the Canton water supply. And as I mentioned, at the, at the end of it, uh, they run experiments on the actual GMS water supply uh, to see that we're okay. I'm happy to report we were okay this year, according to the seventh grade. So, um, but really a great way to take concepts that are being taught. It's also uh, aligned with the standard and the science um, 
curriculum uh, for model building. You know, there's several models that they build along the way. It's highly collaborative, um, and it's it's data informed. So we're developing good scientific habits and developing the the um, sense of community involvement and and you know advocating for healthy practices. And finally, as I mentioned, uh, the identity chart project, which opens the year in the eighth grade social studies um, curriculum, it's on the surface a fairly simple activity, but it does require students to do some deep self-reflection, and it challenges them to go beyond sort of the immediate identifying characteristics we always settle on. So obviously, our appearance, our skin color, our cultural background or however we identify ethnically um, is always sort of the, the fast way that we establish our identities. But this project actually challenges students to say, okay, this is, these are the boxes I check, for lack of a better term. How do I now assume other people might see me? And what makes me, you know, how do I align with maybe some of those expectations and what makes me unique uh, in my own way? Um, and so they, they examine carefully all the different elements that go into a person's identity. They create charts with graphics. They write out a piece, um, again, answering those two questions. How do I identify and how do I feel that other people see me? Uh, and then they share this out with their classmates. And it's a really good exercise in self-reflection, as I said. It's a written exercise. It also serves really well to lay the groundwork for engaging discussions with their classmates as the year goes along. The eighth grade social studies curriculum has heavy elements of civics, civic engagement, and it really lays the groundwork for them to think about, okay, I'm a citizen in a representative democracy. What does that mean? What is the importance of engaging? listening to um, my fellow, my peers, my fellow citizens. Um, and they really created some outstanding final products that are on display in all the, the classrooms now. So they also serve as sort of an anchor point to come back to as they're engaging in maybe a heated debate. They can look back out at the projects that are displayed and re be reminded of, you know, there's more than this person's opinion. There's more than this person's outward appearance behind uh, what's being shared here today. So I, those are, like I said, three quick examples of collaborative work that our staff is involved in. Every student at, this, at each of these grade levels participates in these, in these units of instruction. Uh, and they're examples of how we're trying to promote and celebrate being a deeper learning community uh, each and every day. So. Principal panel, anybody have questions or comments for Principal Mulhern? I do, that's why I'm just first deferring. Um, is it Halloran, anything? Probably not. I will ask you. Okay. So, thank you. Oh, okay, thank you. Um, so, I wanted to ask, I mean, this is your first year at GMS. Welcome. So glad to have you. And I know when we met, uh, last time in the fall, we were discussing the school improvement plan. Mm -hmm. And what I would think of in, in the future, some, some, of the, some of the times when we meet uh, midway through, reflecting on where we are with some of the initiatives maybe inside the school improvement plan. And I remember, um, I was just referencing it for a second, um, what, what were they, 
review the handbook, progress on math, uh, you know, exploring deeper le levels of restorative justice and really trying to promote sense of belonging. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I can see how, in some cases, some of the work here even uh, does that. But I wanted to ask you a question, um, rather than an update on, on, on those pieces specifically, uh, just about um, your own journey now and sort of has anything changed um, in terms of uh, areas of focus or ideas, op um, areas for opportunity for the school uh, having had a little bit more time under your belt or are you, you know, maybe maybe even further convinced of some of the areas inside the school improvement plan being the right places to land? Uh, it's, a, it's an excellent question. I think, I'll start with the last part of your question. I think that my time at the Galvin has uh, convinced me more that what's currently in the school improvement plan is the right, uh, they are the right sets of, of focus for now. Um, and I think that I'm really pleased at how receptive the staff has been to all of those elements. Uh, there has not been uh, any resistance at all to, you know, bringing these these topics up for discussion. For instance, we just at our last uh, professional development session engaged the staff in uh, circle rounds uh, as a first run, as a practice to uh, towards engaging the students in the same, um, and got really really warm feedback on that. I think um, the the staff really enjoyed sharing out with one another, um, and it. I, I think that when we talk about, uh, when we raise the topic of how to address behavior and the needs uh, that, that modern students have and maybe some of the influences that they have to manage that we did not when we were younger, um, there's been a lot of receptivity um, to that and I, I have seen a conscious effort to uh, be more restorative in their approach uh, with, with a lot of sort of the everyday garden variety transgressions. Um, people have you know, really stayed patient but persistent, which is what we've asked, uh, and we've started to see um, some of the behaviors really turn around. You know, we're starting, and this sounds like a small victory, but it's really not. We're starting to see kids clean up after themselves at lunch without having to be asked 17 times, which, again, sounds like a small thing, but based on where we were at the beginning of the year to now, that's progress, yeah. uh, and that's because of the persistence of everyone. But, um, on a larger scale, I've been so impressed with the attitude that the, the staff brings with them every day. And as I've mentioned several times here, middle school is not for everyone. It scares a lot of people. Um, it's, it's a tough zone of development for young people. It always has been. That's not a recent development. Um, they are at that crossroads. Uh, and, the, and the folks there love this age group. And they, they get it. They get the need to, to support them beyond just delivering curriculum. Um, they understand that there's going to be tough emotional days and that sometimes <coughs> they're going to need to pivot and um, sometimes you're going to need to <laughs> rethink that, that project that you had uh, planned out for the day because a lot of kids, for instance, our winter concert, nine of our band members unfortunately were sick. They were out sick with the stomach flu and, you know, they just made it work and some kids from the older groups um, stepped really? in. We had a couple of eighth graders come in and help out the seventh grade band and, you know, that spirit is, is just um, put in place every day by the staff. It's just a, it's a terrific staff, and uh, it's wonderful to work with them. So um, I like where we are with the school improvement plan now, but I, I feel 
I feel confident about hitting some of our, our markers for this year, and I just look forward to expanding on them uh, as we go forward and just continuing to build a positive culture. All right, wonderful. I know that was a big winding question, but really it was just sort of, you know, what's new and did you, do you feel good about it? And yep. I'm glad to hear you do. Absolutely. Fabulous. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Yep. Okay. The next item on our agenda is F, unfinished business, and F1 specifically is our FY24 budget vote. And this is meant to be an opportunity for a final read and vote of approval, understanding that the budget is certainly not yet done. It is a recommended direction for the town to then weigh in on and come back to us. Uh, Mr. Marshall, is there anything you'd like to say um, as an overview? Yes, uh, so there have been changes since the, the last budget that we presented to you. So um, I had anticipated possibly um, having more information um, to help guide our uh, budgeting uh, discussions and projections uh, moving forward. Um, so uh, we have increased our contractual obligation number um, by roughly $90,000, um, given new information that we now have. Uh, and so uh, finance subcommittee met uh, to determine what do we do uh, about that you know, new information. Do we increase the bottom line um, ask of the town, um, or do we maintain that and, and, and make some additional cuts um, up front? And so it was uh, decided that uh, we would maintain the, the original bottom line. So the bottom line uh, that we're requesting a vote of tonight has not changed, um, but we did um, make a few initial cuts. Um, on the uh, second page, it is line 99. Uh, the district-wide curriculum materials line was reduced by $10,000. And uh, line 101, just under that, the consultant's line um, has been removed. Um, and so those are our two lines that currently exist within the budget. Um, and so this is increase, uh, these were uh, you know, increases to those lines. Um, and uh, it, it's, it's gonna be difficult as we believe we will need to continue to trim uh, this budget, uh, but we have not, we did not feel that we were ready to, um, to make cuts to any of the FTEs or salary positions that were put forward, and, and that's why uh, we ultimately decided to, to make some cuts in those two places. Um, so those are changes um, from, from the last time that this was presented. Uh, it is a 7.3% um, uh, ask um, of an increase, uh, which is just over $3.7 million. Um, Ultimately, uh, we will need to wait until the final governor's budget is presented. Uh, typically, that happens at the end of January um, with the change of governors. Um, we don't expect that to happen until the beginning of March. Uh, so that really pushes the, the process. Um, I believe we have uh, some internal uh, revenue forecasting that's happening with the town over the next few weeks. And so we'll have a better idea. Um, and then after this preliminary budget is voted, um, we'll have meetings with the, the town finance committee and, and um, nail down a number and then come back to, to get to work on um, our finalized budget for FY24. Okay, thank you. Is there any comment or question from the school committee? Ms. Moran? So, I, no, I, I oh. just have some, just, I'll share some thoughts, so go ahead. Ms. Arbolita. Well, my, my question, I think, is once we figure out the final budget, are the things that we are removing today potential, if, if we had money, in addition to what we currently have, could we revisit adding some of the things that we're trimming? 
Um, absolutely. So, um, you know, the initial, re we typically wouldn't go back to any new requests, but any sure. initial requests that are listed here um, as all requests, we could always go back and revisit. Okay. Okay. Thank you. That was it. So the piece I'll say, that I, I say to remind myself, so at this point, we have to vote a number. Sorry. <laughs> so it was a good one. I don't know what it yeah, is. Yeah, who's fault? <laughs> Sorry. So, um, so what we're doing tonight is just to vote the number. And, okay. Um, as Mr. Marshall said, over time, things will come back to us. You know, FinCom weighs in, Capital, I mean, the different town boards weigh in. Eventually, we'll find out, okay, after the time, might give us more, they might give us less. So right now, tonight's the number. The, the part about the budget I would like to highlight is, um, you know, we heard tonight in our, in our workshop, the high school is facing some challenges around literacy. And I know, um, you know, as far as a superintendent's recommendation, there had been a request for an FTE at the high school for an English teacher, mm -hmm. and that was not put forward. I would like to um, bring to the committee that as we continue this budget process, personally, I, I think that's an opportunity for us. Whether it's an English teacher, I, I know in her um, outline, Ms. Ashley referred to wanting to add electives at the high school for English teachers. I'm not, sorry, for English. They are low on electives by comparing with some of the other subject areas. That being said, whether perhaps now um, she had referenced maybe a literacy special at the high school, because that's a model we don't have mm -hmm. uh, at both middle or high. So I'm just going to put that to the committee as something to consider as we move forward uh, based on as, as what we've heard and what potentially our, our needs are. The other piece that I would like to continue the conversation uh, was around uh, EA at the Loose. And I know, uh, once again, it was put forward as adding support for our, sort of our higher needs students and in conversation about EAs, really the model is either they, you know, it's not a class-wide EA, typically a, a uh, an EA is supporting certain students within the class. Mm -hmm. You know, should we consider, you know, trying to pilot a model of having uh, an EA support a, know, class. A, a class? So, you know, those are two things I just like to sort of keep in front of the committee as we go through the budget process. And um, as things shake out, uh, I would just again ask for we keep those, you know, top consideration. Question: um, I know we've talked about the lose. Do we is I can't remember, so I apologize. Are we thinking about adding that extra potential conversation of adding a staff for the lose only, or would we look at all of the elementaries? Or is what I don't remember. Why did we save the lose? Specifically, well, it came from um, Ms. Lamore at the loose. Okay, that's request. request. I know, obviously, the decision was made that wasn't a position to fund at this point in time. I'm thinking of it as a pilot potentially. If we were to to move it, um, just the idea of trying it out. Does it does does the idea of sort of reworking REA structure to be more of uh, support for all, mm -hmm. as opposed to um, really specializing with higher needs students? It, I'm, I'm posing the question for you know for consideration. Um, so I would just put that to the committee as we continue to work forward in the budget, you know, as things go. So the, just to clarify the request of the EA at the loose that was brought forward by Principal Lamore, uh, we currently have five sections at grade two. And um, because of that, we had um, approved an additional EA for this year um, for those five sections at grade two. That those five sections are moving to grade three, mm -hmm. and we did not plan to carry that additional EA forward um, into grade three, and so this was a request in order to do that. So it is a, a little bit different mm -hmm. than um, than what we're talking about mm -hmm. here, but um, so just to lay that out, that's why it was only put forward 
um, for the lights. Yeah. And, and last year when we when we added for the the second grade, it was across all the buildings. Yeah. You know, and, and this is just a, a larger group. Mm -hmm. You know, it's certainly something that um, I can bring to our director of student services uh, just around what what levels of support or what has to happen. We we also sort of acknowledge some of the we we have this this data pool this year and these data discussions and you know if we're adding staff out there different ways also to to best serve the the students and that the reading discussion was really great tonight and to, to think about what that might look like uh, you know so that you know at the liberty of the the committee you know I, I can bring that forward around particular needs it's going to be tough and when we look at this budget there's a lot of competing elements that are there the other the only other thing budget wise that I just want to mention is we do have that that uh, $450,000 allocation um, uh, for tuition that we've talked about the, the OSD increase uh, that's at 14% that was a unilateral move out of the governor's uh, or the, the state house office uh, and what I just bring to the committee is obviously we have to have a placeholder for that and Mr. Marshall has a, has a plan the numbers actually you know much higher for that and higher in, in some other districts there are um, there's great advocacy that's happening at the the superintendent level uh, to work with legislators and uh, the governor um, we have a legislative uh, breakfast coming up and that's going to be probably the top priority to discuss to give some to try to think about some level of relief for districts because it's a tough ask to absorb in one year uh, across the board in every district uh, and there's also some advocacy for the governor to consider incorporating that in the budget. So it will be very telling when that happens. And as Mr. Marshall said, we're looking at um, early March for some of those discussions and some of those determinations. So um, if we get some relief on that, we can certainly do some things to okay. help our students. Yeah, just want to keep the conversation. Yeah, yep. I do agree bringing our director of student services to the conversation whenever he, this is my opinion as a one member. I think that that would be helpful to yep. keep conversation sure thing. Thank you. my my other thought is just I mean it's it I realize uh, 7.34 percent increase is, is large and generous from the town um, that said um, you know it is it's it's really a tight budget that we have here uh, we're talking about a total of uh, requests for quality enhancements and supplies and services is 163,000 uh, maintenance of quality supplies and services, one hundred three thousand. Then these contractually obligated seven ninety five <coughs> that includes the bus contract, mm -hmm. the out of district tradition, and the van transport. So that's probably definitely happening. And then the rest is you know seven hundred ninety eight thousand in staff. There's just you know, and you're talking about well, could we add an EA? Could we add mm -hmm. um, a full time English teacher? There's almost nothing that you. Really could cut here, right? So very little right. that we're able to afford, um, and so I, I. So what is my point? I, I, I maybe there maybe there is need for extraordinary consideration in this given this year particularly, um, given some of the factors that you're talking about, mm -hmm. including that out of district tuition, mm -hmm. because I know we can't always go back and ask for more and more and more, but we are in a situation where we're trying to uh, come out of COVID successfully. Um, build a district that is high performing that can deliver the goals and there really is uh, just a very small pool of funds we're dealing with here so many of them going to salary mm -hmm. and operating costs sure we'll just keep the conversation going 
Yeah. yeah. The, the only question is to um, job descriptions for the elementary assistant principals. Mm -hmm. How are those coming? I think we sent drafts to the committee. I believe they were provided in the, um, oh, okay. the school committee packet okay. last, All right. uh, last school committee I stand meeting. Corrected. Um, so I stand the corrected. math interventionist um, oh, that's right. yep. description mm -hmm. and the assistant principals okay. were provided to the committee Great. last school committee meeting. Okay. Yeah, we, we, Dr. Gould's been working on those and uh, use it as a foundational model because um, you know we find it it's important across the board to have them or think as we introduce these positions uh, so feedback is appreciated on them um, and I think they're they're in good shape she found some different some good models and obviously heads done that work in the district uh, herself so they're uh, they're there for some future consideration wonderful wonderful my, my, my point was just if you did add your English teacher or your EA, you basically wipe out all of the requests, yeah. you know, for maintenance of quality <laughs> in one category or the other, completely, curriculum instruction. So, I, you know, and, and that is assuming we get 7.34, which would be General. unprecedented. So it is, it's definitely a tight budget year. Um, okay, so um, with that, uh, is there any other discussion about the budget this evening that would hold up a vote? Hearing none, I would like to call for a motion to approve the 2023-2024 budget as written. Looking for my agenda. I hear a motion. So moved. Second. All right. All in favor by roll call. Ms. Arbolito. Aye. Ms. Moran. Aye. Ms. O'Halloran. Aye. And it's an I for me, 4-0, the budget, the FY24 budget as written is approved. Thank you. Okay, the next item on our agenda is new business, G1. We have our GMS cap honors. Want to welcome back Miss <laughs> Catherine Hoberg. And um, not only honor her and the work of the CAPs, but uh, ask her to present some highlights uh, from the CAPs work this year. Welcome. Hello, welcome. Thank you. Can I close this? I think so. I don't see one up. Yeah. Let's give it a shot. <laughs> <laughs> the, the lights, the lights stayed on. on. Yes. <laughs> Kendall is still right here. Okay. Well, that's good. Good to go. Um, so, I'm Catherine Hoberg. I am the CAP president over at the Galvin. A couple of administrative things. I found those two Arctic pictures and I emailed them to you, Derek, so you have them in your email. Oh, thank you. And thank you. nobody mentioned kindergarten registrations coming up, and that's an important one for important dates. So. Thank you. What I do with the kids? Take some notes. All right. Um, so I have two children. I currently have an eighth grader at the Galvin. So this is my last year. So um, I have been the president for the last two years. We are a board of seven members. Um, we have a, I'm going to apologize if I mispronounce anyone's name. I did go to the dentist today, so I'm still denumbing. Um, but we, our treasurer is Lulu Gutherson. Um, we have an assistant treasurer, treasurer Jen Programming Noreen. We have two fundraisers, Jessica and Carla. We have a secretary, Anne, and then myself. Um, and then we have two special members who have really stepped up this year. Um, Ellen McGrath, who has been running our teacher appreciation. Um, last year and again this year, she also historically ran it at the JFK, um, and she currently has a sixth and eighth grader. Um, and then Julie, who has just really been um, working on helping, um, really focusing on the Cabot grants. We want to make sure we utilize free money out there. 
Um, so she's pushing the administration to find a purpose to write a grant and get it done. Um, but so with, with the Galvin CAP runs a little differently than the elementaries. Um, there's no fee to be a CAP member. We don't have membership drives. Um, so all meetings are open to all members of the Galvin community, and we encourage folks to come out. Um, we meet on the first Monday of every month at 6.30 in the library. Um, only board members who I've listed um, have voting rights. Our bylaws are a little different. That's why we don't have a membership drive, because you're not paying to really vote for anything. Um, at the Galvin, we run a little differently, again, than the elementary schools. We have one fundraiser, um, and that is called Fit for Funds. Um, it's where students participate in wellness events of running, walking, biking, volleyball, um, basketball, and capture the flag is, uh, I think, the all-time favorite. Um, this past year, this was held on Friday, September 30th, and the school raised $41,468, um, which is a great feat for 750 students in the building. So, and I keep looking back at John just to check my, on my knowledge here. Um, all that money goes right back to the school and to the students. That, that we, that's what the purpose of it is. Um, we offset cost of field trips for each grade. We um, organize teacher appreciations. We do a breakfast in the fall, and then we do a lunch in the no first week of November, uh, May. Um, Middle school, you don't have room parents, no one's buying Christmas presents, end of year presents. So it's really important that this fundraiser and then we go back and recognize our teachers. Um, and then we support programming. Um, I was hoping to go before John, so if there was any questions on these, he could answer, Mr. Baldwin. I should use people's full names. Uh, but sixth grade, there is the Rhode Island Black Storytellers. Seventh grade, there is Art History. Um, and eighth grade is the Anne Frank Martin Luther King Theater Presentation. Um, I really don't know much about the sixth grade one. That was the COVID year for my daughter, so I have no idea what happened in school that year. Um, art history, I do know in seventh grade, it's usually the Friday before April vacation. They come in and they do an art piece in the middle of the cafeteria. Um, and some of that artwork that's hanging up in the, the Galvin Calf is been purchased through that program of art history, our hero. Um, and then in eighth grade is the Anne Frank Martin Luther King theater production. This was brought by the English teacher last year, um, who I think retired, right? Yeah, uh, but we are keeping it, and it's happening again this year. Um, and it was an amazing experience. I did get to go witness it last year, and um, not to give a lot of information away for it, but Martin Luther King and Anne Frank were both born in 1929, and it really parallels what their life experiences were. Um, it was, you know, in seventh grade, the students learn about Martin Luther King. Eighth grade, they read The Diary of Anne Frank. Then they have this theater presentation, and it was very moving to watch how serious and quiet the auditorium here at the high school was while last year's 287 students sat there, watched this theater production and then had a Q&A with the actors. It was phenomenal. Um, so it's a great experience. And this is one of the reasons why we want to have these fundraisers. It's to bring this kind of programming to our students. Um, something else that we now work with on, um, and this is more voluntarily, um, eighth grade used to historically go to DC at the end of the year. 
that um, last year, obviously post-COVID, wasn't the most ideal thing to do. Um, and an alternative came up, which seems to be more inclusive in the way that they want, you know, we're moving, their administration wants to move the gallon forward. So um, as an eighth grade parent, I have a vested interest. So I got a couple of, bring it up at the cap meetings, get the ball rolling on that one. Um, but we are working and supporting the administration and coordinating these end of year activities. Um, it's through CAPT. We have parent volunteering who will be assisting in the planning, organizing along with the administrations on field trips, promotional ceremonies, semi-formals, field trips, um, field day. Um, I'd like to give a special thanks to Kara and Denise who have already jumped in since our, our very first meeting two weeks ago and started making tons of phone calls and emails and starting getting prices and quotes and, and whatnot. We do have our next meeting, which is our CAP meeting, on Monday the 6th. Uh, the CAP meeting's at 6.30, and then following, as soon as that meeting's over, we're gonna turn it right into the eighth grade parents meeting. So um, please come on down. Um, but I think eighth grade is a really special time um, for these kids, they've been together since preschool, kindergarten, et cetera. But eighth grade is when they really start to grow and go in different directions. You'll have a percentage go off to private school, a percentage go off to Blue Hills, and then the majority then going off to Canton High. Um, so it's their real last time together together um, within that school building, so it's great. Um, and then for open positions, so as I mentioned, I am graduating out of the Galvin this year, so I need to replace myself, um, which is always a fun thing when you're volunteering and there's no pay to you know, get people to come in. But it's really important to make these programmings continue is the CAPS next year will need a president, will need a treasurer, and will need help in the fundraising because three key members are eighth grade parents moving on. And unfortunately, they don't have someone sliding in. Um, and then I'd really like to give a shout out to, to our, our secretary, Anne, is on her fifth year as our secretary of the CAPT because no one has come in to say, hey, I'll, I'll join and do it. Um, and she's just, we've been very fortunate that she's willing to stay. Um, but her daughter's in eighth grade next year. So, you know, that's going to leave another hole there. Um, and then Noreen, who, who also, she has an eighth grade daughter going out, but she hasn't one sliding in, is willing to stay on and continue on with, with these programmings and signing them up. Um, it is only three years at the Galvin. It's short, it's quick, it's fast. But we really need, you know, lots of hands make light work, as everyone knows. Um, it is much lighter than the elementary. I have been involved in some form or another. I was talking to Ms. Kilday Kill when I first got here, um, when my daughter was at the Rodman, they did not have a CAPT, but we started a parent group, which eventually rolled into the CAPT. Um, so one form or another, I have been involved in a CAP since my daughter was three years old. Um, and I, everyone does their own philanthropy volunteering for whatever reasons drives them, but it's really, I don't want folks to be scared this is very doable. I am a mother of two. I have a full-time job, and I'm still able to do this. And I'm involved in other things as well. Um, and my kids are active as well. So our calendar is like, um, I'm probably supposed to be somewhere else at 7.30. <laughs> you know, it's just part of nature of the beast. But um, it is really something very easy, and especially when she gets to the middle school, 
it's one fundraiser, and then you just spend the money. It doesn't get much easier. Uh, <laughs> it's one day work, and then you just plan up, and then, you know, and, and people do step up. Ellen ran our, our teacher breakfast in November, and I asked her if she needed help. She's like, no, I'm just going to ask a bunch of my mom friends. And she showed up with her crew, and they just did the entire breakfast. And I came in to just see how things were going and take some pictures, and it was, I had nothing to do, which was great. So um, that's my spiel. Any questions? Uh, let me ask you, any questions? Thank you. You're more than questions, well, yes. gratitude. Right, and that is the reason why we have you here, not only to thank you for your time and your commitment um, and the entire CAPT committees, but also to help advertise the need and the fun of being involved in volunteer service through the schools or in general. But um, so thank you for coming here, talking about that, hopefully demystifying some of what you do and uh, why it's worthwhile. Really do appreciate you. Uh, we have a certificate for you again. Not that anyone comes here for that, and I think we will want to take a picture uh, together. Uh, Are we gonna turn Kendall around. Uh, in Kendall, main <laughs> Max headroom in the in the. I'm smiling. She's smiling from far away. There you go. You just turn her around. Put her in it. She's not moving you anything. Oh, she she can. Yes. Oh, I'm moving. <laughs> so the certificate reads: uh, This certificate is presented to the GMS cap. Catherine Hoberg, in grateful recognition of your invaluable contribution to the Canton Public Schools through distinguished service on the Canton Association of Parents and Teachers. I just feel so guilty that I've never made a meeting. I think you know what I'm busy doing. But you are busy. But I'm really appreciative that we have people like you who are really spending the extra time to help support the school and our students. So thank you very much. Not a problem. And you know what? I'm not going to take the attendance, so we'll be talking about Do I have to? This is George Pictures. I see. How are you? Come on in, Samantha. I can't be the only one in jeans. Get in here. All right, are we ready? All right, go hold on. Thank you very much. And I should say thank you to you guys. You guys are. I know how hard it is up here. COVID has just taken your audience away. It's our pleasure. Thank you. Okay. Thanks again. So our next item on the agenda is G2, and that is our GMS Program of Studies vote. So welcome back, Principal Mulhern, to present our 2023-2024 Program of Studies, uh, some of the highlights to the changes and some of the areas of emphasis for vote of approval. once again um, for having me and uh, before I begin this review I just want to extend my gratitude to Catherine and our CAPT membership um, for all the work that they do uh, for being patient with a first-year principal who had no feel for for any of this but um, to see the impact of the uh, the fundraising that that CAPT does and, and to see how it manifests um, in all the special experiences that are faculty and students get to participate in is, is really wonderful. So uh, very grateful for Catherine's leadership and partnership um, on that. So uh, I 
want to begin this overview by stating that um, there are no major changes or shifts planned uh, heading into the 23-24 school year from what is currently done, but there is language that has been updated over the last couple of years. I'll admit that I, I had a little bit of a challenge myself sifting through what year uh, each change went in, but I, I have it down now. But I, I'll, I'll be clear that everything that is included in the 23-24 program of studies uh, reflects a current practice uh, at GMS. Uh, some of them have been in place for multiple years, some of them were new this year. So what I'm going to try to do is highlight the updates that we made to reflect um, current practice um, and some of the courses that were uh, approved late in the previous school year that have uh, started up this year that were not included in the previous program of studies. Um, First, I'll just highlight that on page three, the overview of classes by grade level, we, we made edits to reflect the current uh, course offerings. Uh, mainly, these were in the exploratory uh, column, uh, except for grade six, where we added exploratory world language um, twice. Actually, yes, that's in the exploratory character, two times per seven days. Um, sixth grade also has technology and engineering, two times per seven day um, cycle. In the seventh grade, uh, they take a world language as a core course, and then technology and engineering, uh, phys ed, uh, each twice in the seven-day rotation, and then library media and introduction to theater, which is new, and I'll speak about that uh, a little bit later on, uh, one time in the seven-day cycle. And then again, in grade eight, world language is a core academic uh, meets every day, and then they, uh, for specials, uh, take phys ed twice, technology and engineering twice, and then their uh, one per seven uh, exploratory courses are eye design and theater arts exploration. And again, I'll, I'll speak to that in a little bit more depth later on. Um, I do want to highlight one element uh, in the ELA program of studies, and it's not to point to any one grade level specifically, rather than to simply mention that we continue to explore uh, texts and sources from a, a diverse group of authors uh, to, to reflect the diversity in our school and also more modern sense um, modern sensibilities. So I want to highlight just one that went in very recently, a piece that is read in the sixth grade, The Boy Who Harnessed the Wind. Um, you may have seen a feature film by the same name. Uh, highlights uh, a young man who grew up in Malawi, whose family owned a farm that lost power, had no way of kind of getting reconnected to the grid, and he ended up building a windmill out of uh, recycled components he found around his village. Uh, harnessed the power of the wind and actually ended up saving his his family's farm. Um, really cool story. It's something our sixth graders um, read, and that's an example of, of what I'm talking about. We want to obviously pay proper homage to the the literary canon, but we also want to be uh, constantly kind of evaluating our our texts uh, that we offer in that program. So that work. Uh, will continue, um, and we hope to have a, a department coordinator in place um, to, to really drive that work forward um, starting in, in the fall. So um, I wrote down, I'm going to go in chronological order with the, the highlights, uh, and I'll start with uh, changes. The significant change, obviously, in math is the um, 
Reveal Math curriculum, which I know has been, been covered at length. Uh, it's, it's actually the curriculum used district-wide. Um, it was chosen because it seamlessly blends the delivery of curriculum with uh, the ability to uh, have formative assessments that yield immediate feedback for teachers. And so uh, our teachers have really uh, worked hard to incorporate the results of IXL formative assessments into, you know, take those results and uh, tailor their approach to their instruction based on what they see. And so that's been, uh, there's been a learning curve for our math uh, teachers, but also uh, under the, the leadership of Ms. Kennedy, uh, that the department has really uh, made strides as a data-informed group, and uh, we're, we're really pleased with what we've seen so far in using the curriculum. Um, we did, and this ties in with our school improvement plan, revise the criteria for selection for students who wish to take or want to be considered to take uh, Math 7 and Math 8 Advanced. Um, it is not a wholesale change to the selection, but uh, Department Coordinator Kennedy, uh, along with Ms. Rooney, I believe, coordinated on um, designing a sort of matrix-style um, evaluation system for candidates. Uh, and it combines the IXL diagnostic performance, a placement exam that is uh, unique to GMS, uh, test grades, um, and then ratings from teachers uh, into a point system uh, where candidates are then selected. So it's a, it, it's been, we'll see how it, it goes, but I think it's a, a more fair system than this, the grades-based and recommendation-based system that, that we had uh, previously. Uh, it, it does draw on several sources of objective data. It also does um, keep a place for teacher recommendation um, in there, but uh, we will see. Uh, we're, we're eager to see how, as we build the, the master schedule for next year, uh, it might impact our numbers in, in those two courses. Um, right, and as you can see, it's, it's similar in the eighth grade. Um, highlighting next are new courses that began in the fall of the current year. I'll start with the introduction to world language course, which uh, is running at the sixth grade level currently. Um, and the theory behind it is that rather than have students begin with the in-depth study of a single language at the seventh grade level, um, to expose them to a semester each of Spanish and French, um, as a way for them to identify patterns in learning uh, a modern language, um, Spanish and French both being Romance languages, they have a lot of uh, common uh, vocabulary and uh, verbiage, verbiage use and, and everything else. Um, it exposes grade six students to world language study. It also introduces them to Francophone and Hispanic cultures through basic language expressions and cultural study. Students learn how to greet others, introduce themselves, and ask and answer simple questions in the target languages. Uh, in this course, students learn basic interpretive strategies to understand and communicate in Spanish and French by using stimuli such as ads, charts, 
graphs and images. Uh, they explore the countries and regions where French and Spanish are spoken and reflect on how to communicate in ways that honor other people's languages and experiences as well as their unique cultural products, practices, and perspectives. We really think it's a great survey course to introduce um, students to learning a language other than uh, what might be their own um, and also to explore and hopefully plant the seed for uh, global travel and interacting with, with uh, folks um, in other countries down the line. Uh, we also see it as an effective way to get kids to maybe lean towards one or the other before they make their choice on what to study more in depth at the seventh and eighth grade and then presumably through the high school level uh, as well. So we just made the shift. Uh, the students who began with French just shifted to Spanish and vice versa. Uh, so we're really eager to, to get feedback from students and families on um, you know, how they reacted to the course, what they got out of it, and, and uh, we'll uh, base any modifications we might make in the future on, on feedback there. But we're excited about it. Uh, we're, you know, it's really a nice way to help students transition into the serious study of a, of a different language. Um, and then moving on, uh, last of the drama courses, uh, which were uh, other new additions toward the conclusion of, of the previous school year. Um, we brought in Mr. Langmeyer, who uh, has really worked hard uh, to incorporate two brand new uh, core courses for our seventh and eighth grade students. Um, he does not have a dedicated classroom space. He uses our cafetorium as his classroom, uh, and he's really been a good sport about making that work. Uh, we've, we've had to make some modifications to some of the, uh, the operational procedures in there. But um, in grade seven drama, um, the students are really introduced to acting in theater arts. Uh, it's fast-paced. It's dynamic. They do a lot of improv exercises. Uh, they gain experience in public speaking, uh, creative expression, and collaborative problem solving. Uh, what I can tell you is this is a uh, really interesting course to observe seventh graders in. Uh, if you watch seventh graders enter the building from the buses, you wouldn't believe that they had any um, self-awareness or problem with public speaking or acting out or drama. Uh, and yet when they're in with their peers and they have a, an actual exercise to go through, uh, it's amazing to see how some of the most talkative students will all of a sudden uh, become very self-aware. And um, the work that goes into coaching them through that and um, getting them to deliver on a stage in front of peers, getting them to collaborate with peers uh, in a performative way uh, is really a great way to help develop that self-awareness, develop some team spirit, develop, I think, some, some confidence, especially when it comes to uh, interacting with adults um, uh, throughout the day. Um, and then grade eight drama is a little bit more of an in-depth course. Um, it's theater arts exploration. Uh, they learn, they further the, the sort of acting skills, but they also learn more about technical theater, inclu uh, which includes exploring play studies, scene work, and aspects of technical theater, such as costume design, hair, makeup, set construction, sound and lighting, and prop making. Uh, and by the end of this course, students will have developed greater self-confidence, empathy, and a strong sense of community with their classmates. So um, this is where, in the eighth grade, I think there are opportunities to do uh, a little bit more partnership work with the, the English department, especially when we're 
you know, covering the plays of Shakespeare, for instance. Um, when I taught English and we, we covered a play by Shakespeare, I always used to joke to my students that Shakespeare would find it odd that we were reading the script of his plays out loud in class instead of watching it performed, which is what it was designed to do. And I think uh, Mr. Langmeyer has really done a nice job of getting kids who might not be inclined toward acting uh, or, or being particularly showy to take some of the texts that they're, they're covering and actually perform them out, uh, which I, I think is a great way to, to experience the curriculum. So um, those are the major uh, curricular changes that went into to practice this year. Um, I know that in uh, the health and wellness curriculum, we're also um, exploring ways to be a little bit more um, dynamic with our instruction and, and project-based, uh, rather than have it um, be sort of the cliche of what many of us were used to in school, where you know a teacher kind of had a textbook and, and pointed to charts, and it wasn't very interactive. We're trying to get uh, our students to um, a lot, you know, dive into the research, especially on things like substance abuse, um, and do presentations to their peers on what they discover uh, about health and wellness-related topics. And so that work is is ongoing. I know um, Adam Hughes, who's our uh, program coordinator, has uh, worked uh, very closely with the entire uh, six through twelve uh, wellness staff um, to really explore. Um, more dynamic means of instruction and really try to bring that wellness curriculum to life because I think it's, uh, it's very, very important um, in this day and age. Um, and again, as I said, there are no other major changes. Everything that you see uh, in the program of studies as presented reflects a current practice um, at the school. Uh, it is a program of studies that, I, that we use as the foundation for what I mentioned before is the key instructional work of becoming a deeper learning, learning community. Um, you know, as I was drawn to apply to the Canton schools in the first place, um, partially because of the robust variety of options uh, that, are, that are available to students here, K through 12, um, and to have seen it in practice and to see how it all comes together to the benefit of the students has really been um, really been gratifying for me, and it's something that I'm I'm really eager to continue working with our our program coordinators and with Assistant Superintendent Shannon and with Miss Rooney uh, to further develop uh, as we go forward. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, are there any questions or comments from the school committee about the GMS program studies? No, thank you. I would, I would like to just ask a couple um, quick questions, or Absolutely. make some yeah, questions, comments. Mm -hmm. So the first is um, just I, I am aware that um, we did have a gap for a while where there wasn't updates made to the GMS program of study. Um, for Maybe there were, but they weren't published, let's mm -hmm. just say, for, for a good long period of time. And then over time... Um, I think particularly in the last year, we were able to make some updates, and now it looks like, um, together with it being part of the school improvement plan, um, there really has been some emphasis on um, building it out. Uh, would you say that uh, what we're seeing here is, is close to what you think the, the final will be for some of the years moving forward, or is this you know, still very much a work in progress based on the 
feedback you've been getting through school council and so forth? Yeah, I, I have not heard um, negative feedback about the program of studies uh, from, from anyone. And um, that's why I was a little surprised. I think the document hadn't been updated, but I think there was a very strong sense of, of what we do at the Galvin, at least from a curricular standpoint. Um, really, I don't, I, it's a very strong curriculum, and I, I would not be inclined to think that it needs wholesale changes um, in the future. I think what uh, I would like to maintain my focus on and our leadership team's focus on is really branching out in, into different instructional methodologies, um, you know, to being a little bit more experimental and, and, as I keep saying, decentralizing the instruction in the classroom, emphasizing uh, taking the tasks and putting them in the hands of the students and have the teachers be more facilitators than they are knowledge providers. Um, but I, it, it, in terms of the curriculum itself, I think it's very strong. I think it gives us a lot of um, opportunities to find connections between the program areas and to offer kids a really comprehensive and, and dynamic experience uh, in their middle school years. Yeah, terrific. Um, yeah, and I, I do think it's strong, and I'm proud of the variety that we are providing and some of the emphasis and optionality um, with, you know, math and uh, theater and on and on, some of the different components that have been put into practice. I, I will say that now that we've got this refreshed and more complete version of program of studies, it is worth definitely finalizing and then marketing and making sure it gets in the hands of parents mm -hmm. because it can be a point of pride for everyone. I, I can tell you that um, it's certainly something that we hasn't been fully communicated in the past for whatever the reasons may be. And um, it, it's worth, I think, taking the time to sort of build this out, uh, you know, perhaps do the same thing on the website so that the information is there. But even just looking at um, what was on page three, the overview of classes by grade level, it's one of the first times I've seen the information presented. Mm -hmm. um, I pay attention. Uh, so I, 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 just looking at it that way tells me a bit more just about what the middle school process looks like for a child. It's getting that meta level um, overview. So I, I, I'll just say that I know parents will appreciate uh, having, being made more aware of the program of studies in now this more fulsome build out. Mm -hmm. And let me say, I really, really deeply appreciate the printed report cards that just came home. I had been saying it, it's like sort of a bane of my existence. Like I wasn't sure how many people in this district even knew report cards were happening mm -hmm. because they were buried online. So to take the extra step to print them out and make sure they go home in backpacks, I think will also help parents be partners in their kids' education just a little bit more, you know, for those who are either less inclined or just buried. So I just want to say thanks for that piece of it too, that sort of that's part of this whole parent-school partnership that sure. you're fostering. And for that, I have the, uh, our, our team leaders to thank. It was a suggestion that came out of a meeting with our, our team leaders uh, that we try that to try to drive some conversations. So I'm pleased to hear that, that you appreciate it, and we'll, we'll see if uh, it had the effect that we wanted. Yeah, sure do. All right, any other commentary? I think my only comment, and I, I apologize, I said no before, but um, the languages, I just want to make a comment of saying kudos. I think it's wonderful. And I, I'm hoping, it's the first time we're doing it, so we'll get some feedback, but I'm hoping that with time, we'll be able to even increase that um, moving forward. I think it's wonderful. Thank you. Yes. I can Thank imagine you. your fifth going into sixth grade parents will read this voraciously, and it will help define yeah. their, 
their child's experience and just how much they're excited. So I love it. Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay. Uh, so now we have to take a vote. Yeah. Oh. Do I hear a motion to approve uh, the uh, GMS 2023-2024 program of studies with <coughs> changes incorporated in this draft? So moved. Second. All in favor? Ms. Arbolito? <laughs> Aye. Ms. Moran? Aye. Ms. O'Halloran? Ms. O'Halloran? She's muted. You may be muted if you are following along. She's also aye. very ill. Um, and it's aye. an eye for me. Thank you very much. Um, we appreciate that. So 4-0, the Galvin Middle School 2023-2024 Program of Studies is approved. And thank you very much. Ms. O'Halloran as well. If you feel you need to drop off, that's fine. We do have a quorum, but we appreciate you making every effort to be here and help us tonight. Thank, thank you, you very much. Yeah, thank you. Okay. So the next item on our agenda is G3, our early childhood tuition proposal, um, which involves Ms. Kilday, who is visiting us with a tuition rate proposal to discuss and possibly vote upon. I need to go to the bathroom. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, I thought you already wanted No, uh, you don't need and to soon go right, need right to. the second, right? What? Yes. No, okay. No. Soon I'll need to. Welcome. Hi, everyone. I'm here tonight with the proposed tuition for the Rodman Early Childhood Program for the 2023-2024 school year. Uh, before we start with that, just to give you a little bit of an update on the preschool, the Rodman Early Childhood Program uh, is the integrated preschool for the town of Canton. Uh, this means that our main purpose and responsibility is servicing children ages three to five with disabilities. Uh, we choose to do that in an integrated setting because we have a strong belief in inclusion. Uh, so we also have many children without disabilities in our program. Uh, right now, total enrollment is 100 even. We have eight classrooms and 28 staff. Our students attend either a four-day or five-day program and they all attend from nine to one. Um, so we are a busy place, as you can imagine. One thing that I want to share tonight, uh, part of our role in the district uh, is to process referrals from parents of preschoolers who are concerned that their child may have a disability and may require special ed services. Uh, we navigate that process with them. Last school year, we processed 76 uh, referrals for uh, evaluations to determine eligibility. Um, this year, to date, right now, we had 104. So we have seen a very large increase in the number of referrals that are coming to us. Based on um, some past numbers, the past few months, uh, I anticipate we will very much come close to at least 150 referrals this year, if not more and that about doubles what we did last year. So you can imagine the impact that has um, on our program in our district uh, as we have a responsibility to serve students who are identified as having a disability. So last year we added a classroom in the spring. This year we added a classroom in the fall, and we m will most likely need another classroom at some point this spring. Um, and I only share that with you for perspective. It's certainly a new... Um, 
pattern for us to see. As we are navigating it, we're collecting more data, trying to see where this is coming from. Of course, uh, it doesn't escape me that for certain, this could be an impact of the pandemic that we're seeing. Um, but it is more than that. Our numbers of children with autism have more than doubled. Um, and we certainly know the pandemic didn't cause autism. So uh, a number of different things, but I think it's really important to note uh, because it is a pretty significant increase in referrals. Um, with that said, uh, it has impacted our programs for the next school year. So we are going back to offering two, three, four, and five day programming. Uh, the, the decision to do that is really based on um, our capacity and requirement to just service more children um, and looking at our resources available. So you will see uh, in the tuition uh, proposal, you'll see those, those different schedules. So in front of you, you have a comparison of surrounding districts, uh, integrated preschools from surrounding districts. Uh, the comparison is for our 20-hour program, which is our five-day program, and our 16-hour program, which is our four-day program. Uh, under that, you will also see um, a proposal for tuition for the next school year for the two, three, four, and five-day classrooms. So there are uh, two columns. One would have the 2% increase in tuition for the year, and the other one would have the 3% increase tuition in the year. So um, tonight, I think we're looking for approval to move forward with one of those for the next school year. Thank you. We always appreciate you coming and, of course, giving us that background and context. That's definitely something to watch for sure. Is there discussion from the committee? I just have a question. On the referrals, is that a self-referral by a parent or is that someone coming out of EI? Uh, both. Both. Okay. Uh, one thing that's very interesting uh, when I look at the data this year uh, is right now our EI referrals range between 30 and 40 percent um, and our parent referrals, so uh, referrals from parents in our community uh, whose children ha are not currently receiving early intervention services um, is between 60 and 70. That's a bit of a flip. Um, it was typically the um, pattern that our early intervention referrals would be higher uh, than our parent referrals. A number of reasons for that, I think. I think um, the pandemic certainly impacted early intervention services, um, and I think we are doing a great job with our child find responsibilities, um, and parents um, and, and our area preschools um, are quicker to send students to us than previous years, which is great. I ask you a question. Um, so first off, could you talk to us just a little bit about what the tuition funds, just for folks who haven't kind of been made aware of how the finances work for the preschool? Sure. I'm going to ask Mr. Marshall to help out here. But um, our tuition goes into a revolving account. Um, certainly it does um, fund our preschool to a degree. Uh, but most of our preschool funding is from the district. So most of our salaries. Uh, comes from the district, our materials, etc. 
we do use our tuition account or our revolving account for some materials, um, consumables, that type of thing. But my understanding is the bulk of our salaries are funded from the district budget. Correct, Mr. Marshall? Yeah, that is correct. So um, all of the tuition goes into a revolving account. Those monies are set aside to be specifically used for the preschool. Um, so we're not collecting um, tuition for preschool enrolled students that um, then those monies are used elsewhere within the district. Um, they stay to be used within um, the preschool. Uh, we typically talk to them about, uh, they're, they're more of an offset um, to the total cost of the preschool. So um, we do typically charge some salaries, um, you know, a preschool teacher or um, uh, educational assistant, um, you know, to that account, and um, and then a variety of different uh, materials that might be used uh, throughout the year for for the preschool. That helps, and it, I mean, and since this service has been offered in Canton, and it seems it's offered in surrounding communities, um, can either of you speak or um, Superintendent Follin speak to the the sort of the history or the philosophy of the shared expense for preschool? For a public preschool like this, so how, how does it does it, is this how it typically works, and you know sort of why why is it different than K through twelve? So I mean, it, it typically um, it's not a financial uh, reason. Um, it is really to include peers, um, you know, for uh, our students um, with disabilities at that youngest level. Um, so it is typical. I think it is what we typically see um, across the state, and. Add. I would agree. Yeah. I would agree. I think um, because preschool is not mandatory mm -hmm. um, and preschool um, is private and parent choice for the most part, um, I think that is also why our community pairs pay tuition. I think it's also important to note, and I didn't mention this, that as a district we offer tuition assistance to families um, so that um, uh, tuition is not a barrier uh, to access. Right now, about 20% of our families access tuition assistance. That's been pretty stable over the last few years. Wonderful, and I have one final question. And so that has to do with the proposed two or 3% increase. And uh, I suppose if you have a recommendation in case for support. Uh, typically, the school committee um, in the past has voted along the um, salary increases. Um, so depending on the percentage of the salary increase, that has often driven the uh, tuition increase. Mm -hmm. I think um, financially, uh, I think everybody's seeing their dollars stretched a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I know families of young children certainly experience that, um, and we also experience that in the district. So um, I think either two or 3% is very reasonable. Um, and families would anticipate one of those for sure. So no, no exact recommendation, but just one of the two. One of the two, I think, would be okay. appropriate. All right. Uh, from would... a finance, one of you want to add from a financial perspective? Go ahead. I think, I... Maureen, do you want to? Oh, I was to... just going to say, I, I would be heading towards the two, given we're in tough financial times. I mean, there is, there is money in the revolving account. Um, you know, I mean, it is, again, 20% is getting some sort of tuition assistance means 80% of our families are, are not getting tuition assistance. So this is a big chunk of change. So um, I would be in favor of the 2% increase. The, the um, impact versus 
two to three percent is is not great. Um, so I, you know, I, it's not a situation where I would say, you know, really pressing for a three percent increase. Um, I, I I don't. I don't believe that we need to continue to tie to potential salary increases either um, for, for this reason. Um, so I, it is, uh, you know, inflation and, 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 and cost increases are impacting both families and the district in different ways. Um, but from this standpoint, um, I think it would, it, it, it's a 2% increase is, uh, is certainly reasonable and, um, and would be sufficient. Mr. Uh, yes, Ms. O'Halloran. Is there, I, I hate to uh, make it more difficult, but um, is there a way to do two and a half percent? So we're splitting the difference, being cognizant obviously of, of families and not bringing it to a full three percent, but I'm also aware obviously of, of many of the other raised percentages we have this year, um, some of them significant going up to like 14 percent increases, et cetera. So wondering if that's an option. Yeah, it's it, it it's it's up to the committee. Um, you know, uh, any percentage is, is on the table. To be perfectly honest, from zero uh, all the all the way up. Um, so it would be at the um, you know discretion of the committee to to make that recommendation. It would be my preference to go with two percent, but that's just in accordance to what here. All right, and I'll just note that uh, in the document that's included in the packet, and also here on the table does talk about uh, or does point to the fact that our Canton tuition is it, when you compare it to Sharon, Walpole, Dedham, Norwood, it would be, I mean, in it, it with either increase would contain, would continue in the same position it has been, which is sort of the uh, second lowest of that peer set. And so still very competitive, but remembering that also we are, because we do want community pairs to sign up, but at the same time, there is a significant savings for those families who do opt in, um, as compared to the other residents of Canton who um, would be paying full price in many other instances for their preschool experience. So, um, Ms. O'Halloran, yes, we could make it 2.5%, I'm hearing from uh, Ms. Moran and Ms. Arbolita a desire towards 2% and not hearing yeah and then not hearing a strong argument against it um, from our business manager or our um, preschool principal I'm inclined to support the 2% That's good. what do you think that, that sounds fine with me absolutely you know, I, I do understand there's a cost involved, particularly as we just came through negotiations, um, and that tie. You know, it, it's difficult to spend, 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 and not take revenue in. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, that said, I'm willing to support the, the the will of this committee if it is to make a two percent. Yep. Okay. So hearing that, uh, or hearing no further discussion, I'd like to ask for a motion to approve the. Early tuition proposal for our Rodman pre-K um, program for 2023-2024 um, at the two percent increase level. So moved. Second. All right. All in favor by roll call. Ms. Arbolita. Aye. Ms. Moran. Aye. Ms. O'Halloran. Ms. O'Halloran. 
Can you hear me now? Sorry. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> this is in connection here. Yeah. We need you. Is, is an I from I. you? Yes, and it's an I for me. Four zero. It is approved. Thank you very much Thank for being you. here. Appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, awesome. So now we are moving on to item G4, our policy section D, first read. Would any member of the policy subcommittee, including Superintendent Fallen, like to talk us through uh, what we're looking at here? Happy to uh, jump in. Uh, we have Ms. Arbolita and Ms. O'Halloran. And, and also the, Mr. Marshall. Mr. Yeah. Marshall, too, is the, this time, the, the special guest. The yeah. special guest who, who walked us through this. Section D uh, for your first read here is uh, all financial um, policy and really guiding documents uh, around some important measures within the district. Uh, when we did our first read, we went through this and we quickly realized we needed the input from our director of finance and operations. He went through it and took uh, uh, the Canton version and put it up against the MASC version uh, with the guidance of our MS MASC uh, rep who is walking us through this, Jim Hardy, and got some really good advice and he just said you want to make sure practices are, are being in place and it reflects the language really reflects what's happening. Mm -hmm. uh, so what's provided to you are, uh, is an example of if there's a swap from maybe Canton language to the MASC language. Uh, and we really feel that this is something that reflects current practice here in the district and best practice if it's something that we've needed to add. Uh, there's a few other aspects of this in time that will, will require some additional votes specifically okay. around uh, financial threshold for student activity accounts which have been identified through the auditing process uh, and then also the development of cost centers for uh, budget line uh, transfers mm -hmm. um, but we are I would welcome some other uh, feedback from the other folks and Mr. Marshall as well uh, but again for the first read we feel like this is in really good shape and a, and a really powerful update I think my only comment is that we're bringing it back to what it is in actual reality being yeah. done, which was probably not in line to what we had in the policy. So I, I felt very comfortable with proposing or bringing this back to the committee based on, on the review of Mr. Marshall and his input. Yeah, I was just I had a quick preview as member of the finance subcommittee, and I'm delighted to see it. I, mean, I, I think to make sure that we're in line with you know, legal requirements, state law requirements, yeah. best practices. So I look forward to reading this in greater detail, but uh, you know, uh, I'm better late than never, so to speak, in terms of having these documents. Yeah. So I'm, I'm very pleased to see it. Do you want to talk about cost centers? Yeah, so I, and um, just overall, I think we did defer to the MASC language um, more often mm -hmm. um, than not. <coughs> Some of the prior Canton language um, was very specific and, mm -hmm. and honestly um, very difficult to, fo to follow or um, to adhere to. Um, and so uh, I, I think that this really aligns well with uh, current practice and, and what uh, the, the relationship of uh, school committee to our, our finances um, which is, is strong. Um, the idea of, of cost centers comes up in in this policy a few different er, in a few different areas, uh, which really requires um, 
us to bucket our expenditures um, into four or five, uh, you know, kind of uh, buckets, and uh, we'll we can talk about that. We'll we'll probably at the next meeting uh, bring forward a recommendation for a vote as to what those cost centers um, would likely be, and then what that is going to require us to do is uh, in place of just operating um, to the bottom line number. Uh, we would be required um, to really manage to those cost centers, to the bottom line of each yeah. of those cost centers. Mm -hmm. So uh, we would be allowed to overspend um, a specific salaried line item, but we wouldn't be allowed to overspend our total budgeted salary uh, requirement. So um, I think it provides uh, another layer, um, and it, it's important. It, it really does follow best practice, uh, and it's just a, a matter of what are those cost centers and, and kind of coming to common agreement onto the number of those. Uh, it does require some, some work on the town side as well, um, where in the case where we would need to, to move money, um, we would need right. to, to request a budget transfer, um, which, would ha which ultimately happens um, on the town side. Okay. So I was just going to say, I think the, trans the, the the next level of transparency by those cost centers and then working within those cost centers is outstanding. And and this is sort of an interesting overlap. I mean, school committee, we have three main responsibilities, you know, budget policy and hiring and evaluating the superintendent. And this policy, as well as the finance work, is, is just dovetailing so well that um, it really clarifies what our you know the importance of what we do in terms of managing the budget and gets everybody on the same page in terms of you know, what we should be doing and and again best practices so i'm delighted to see it terrific i look forward to digging in i feel great um that we've had everyone engaged we have had engaged <coughs> and it makes perfect sense to me looking at some of the dates here um and understanding what i what i do know having been deeper in the, po the policy manual than most people um that we we did need some updates um and for me not having served on the finance subcommittee some of that practice has been elusive mm -hmm. so i'm glad that you're um taking such an act you've taken such an active role mr marshall in this and also um you know ms moran in the finance subcommittee and, and taking a look at this uh i, I would definitely want time to read through it and also to say that um, once once we do get to a point where uh, we are approving this, I'm thrilled because over the course of the last two years as chair, I've been building out the school committee website personally, and um, it's not me um, authoring most of the materials independently. They are coming from the evolved policies that we have, and the financial section has been one that I've been dying to do. Um, and so this will just allow, you know, un allow uh, me to help uh, sort of unlock that language and make it more available and accessible for the public, which I've um, had a huge desire to do. We've put policy up there and um, quite a bit of additional information, but this will be huge. So I'm, I'm just glad this is getting done and thankful to everybody involved. Okay, so yeah, if, go ahead, Mrs. Mahalloran. Thank you. I just want to say to everyone, thank you again for um, for us the ability for us to have Jim Hardy and MASC assisting with this because I think every every policy meeting it really shows, and this one probably even more so. His vast knowledge um, across other districts too, and experiences with that wording, um, what's worked, what hasn't, um, has been very helpful in my opinion. So having him as, as a guiding force, one of the guiding forces there, I think has really been paying off. Agreed. 
Wonderful. Mm -hmm. Great. And so we will then move that to a second read if that yep. makes sense. And not requiring a vote right now. Okay. Next item on the agenda is G5, our negotiations update. Uh, Superintendent Fulham, would you like to provide a quick update as much as we can say? Sure, sure. Uh, we're smiling here because uh, on January 24th, late into the night, uh, we reached a tentative agreement with Unit E and Unit A. Um, there is still work to be done uh, to have this ratified, signed, sale, and delivered. But uh, it was a really great night and a really, really long process. And we know how important this was for the, the school community. Um, you know, we, we love working each and every day with our educators. And uh, to go through negotiations is a very long process. Um, and we are proud of the relationships that we have uh, with our families, with our students, and with our educators. Um, and that was a, a primary focus all the way through this. Uh, there are steps to, to happen, but we are so pleased to announce that tentative agreement. Um, we want to uh, thank the school committee for the support all the way through it, and especially the members of the negotiation team. There were countless hours uh, in doing this, and we appreciate the partnership with the uh, Canton Teacher Association. Uh, you know, that there was uh, a, a maintaining of key and important relationships uh, all the way through, and that was important, um, and we got it done. And uh, now the next step is uh, just to bring it close, and there's a timeline for that, and we're really hoping at the next school committee meeting uh, we can uh, bring this to full agreement and ratified. So that is the up-to-date. Uh, we are really, really happy for the community, our educators, everyone involved, and most, uh, most in particular, our students. Absolutely. We are absolutely thrilled, and it is a tentative agreement, and so we are, as in the entire process, being as thoughtful and uh, careful as we can, and just uh, look forward to sharing more very soon. All right. Yep. So the next item on the agenda is G6, our district goal update. Uh, Superintendent Fallen has a report for us, I believe. Yes. On uh, priority goals. Priority number three, goal two. Yes. So I've asked uh, Assistant Superintendent Sarah Shannon to provide this report. This has been her focus area, and she's been uh, the architect of, of this really good work. Uh, it's going to yield a wonderful, um, it has yielded a wonderful discussion around high quality uh, instruction in our district and a, and a vision, a cohesive vision, uh, that you can hear some of the elements uh, in Mr. Mulhern's uh, discussion. But to actually uh, fulfill the goal of uh, developing learning walks and getting into classrooms and developing different ways to to look and assess where we are instruction wise um, I'm very proud of the work that has been done by the team and specifically led by assistant superintendent superintendent Sarah Shannon take it away all right so um, this is actually really timely to be here this week because we shared our first draft of a vision with our teaching and learning team um, just on Tuesday. So we're, we're really sort of at this halfway point, but if I go back to the beginning of the year, um, we had to design a process to do this work because there are two types of learning walks that you can do. Um, there's learning walks to sort of gauge and measure what is actually happening in the classroom to inform um, instructional practice 
in a very specific way. And then there's learning walks that we're doing that are actually informing the vision for that instructional practice. So that's what I talked about first. We'll actually come down the line in, in another year or two. Um, but first we had to use this process to figure out what is the vision for high quality teaching, learning, and leading here in Canton. And so we designed a process. Um, we did that in collaboration with um, school and district leaders. We engaged the, um, the union in that conversation. And we created a schedule where we would go to each school for a learning walk in the fall semester and then again in the spring semester. And prior to going on the learning walk, what we did was we at a Edaval PLC, which is all of the evaluators within the district, we talked about what do we think high quality teaching, learning, and leading is. And we came up with a list of what we thought it was. Um, without having gone into classrooms, just based on some readings that we had done and from our own experience. And then we said to principals, could you please gather information from your staff on what they think high quality teaching, learning, and leading is? And we took both of those inputs and we put them together and created a, a list of what we thought might land in our vision. And we used that list to create focus areas for our different visits to the different schools. And so when we go to each school, we split into teams. We have a schedule that teachers know ahead of time that we're coming. And each team visits five classrooms, four classrooms depending on the school. Um, and we spend about 10 to 12 minutes in that classroom, in each of those classrooms. And then we all come back together and we talk about, based on the focus areas that the principal gave us, what did we see happening in the classrooms? And what was the impact? Because for us, this is about impact. What was the impact of those things that we saw on teaching and learning and on student achievement? What didn't we see? And what was the impact of not seeing it? And then what did we see that actually we haven't considered as part of our vision yet? And we did that at every single school. And as a result, we were then able to create sort of this midpoint vision. So we took all of these things at the beginning of the year and we have honed it down to um, a, a less comprehensive but more strategic vision. Um, and in this process, we have visited 109 classrooms across the district, which it wasn't until I did the math and I was like, wow, we've seen a lot. And we've had some really amazing conversations about teaching and learning. Um, and so the next step in this process is actually to take the vision this draft vision, which I'm still, we brought it to teaching and learning. I got feedback from that group, which is all principals and, and district folks. I'm gonna revise it a bit. And then we're actually creating a process so that in either at the February faculty meeting or the March faculty meeting, all principals will be sharing this vision back out with the staff to get their feedback and input to bring it back so we can again iterate what that vision is. 
And then we're going to use that iterated version of the vision to go on our next round of learning walks. Um, and in this next round of learning walks, we're also hoping to start to include some other folks. So our um, department coordinators at the elementary schools, our ALTs, our ILTs, which are inclusive of specialists and some teachers, because we want to make sure that we're getting all voices. The other thing that principals are thinking about is how we can get student voice in this vision. So that's uh, once we get teacher input through the faculty meetings, we're then also going to get some student input. Um, into that vision. And so the ultimate goal is that by the end of this school year, we will have a vision that we can share out. Um, it's definitely an iterative process. It's been really great to be looking at teaching and learning in this way. And I think what it's building um, in those of us who are doing the learning walks is some really coherent ideas about what we're looking for as a district in terms of teaching, learning, and leading. So I think we're going to land in a really good place, but I will tell you that the process has been really, really powerful. And so that's where we are as of today. Thank you very much. Okay. I have um, just a quick question personally. Uh, so I wanted to talk about, or have you um, share with us a little bit more about the connection between um, high quality curriculum planning, instruction, and assessment, and high quality teaching, learning, and leading. Do they mean the same things? Or are they? They you know, do and they don't. Does one help create the other? So they do and they don't. Um, and if you think back to Ms. Rooney and Ms. Abrams' um, presentation earlier, Ms. Rooney made the distinction between curriculum and instruction, and we heard Jeff Riley, who is the Commissioner of Education for the state of Massachusetts, make that same. Um, distinction. So teachers, the teaching <coughs> is both an art and a science. Like you can have something put in front of you and someone can say teach this and one person is going to do it one way and another person is going to do it another way but what's important is that both of those people understand the best practices of teaching. How do we reach kids? How do we build relationships with kids? How do kids' brains learn in ways that um, build connections and build long-lasting learning? And so it's important for us to understand that that's the instruction piece, no matter what the curriculum is that's sitting in front of us. So that's why it's sort of a both and. And so right now we're looking at the instruction piece, the pedagogy, because pedagogy crosses all curricular lines. Good teaching should exist no matter what the content is. And so that's what we're building here so that it applies to every teacher across the district, <coughs> no matter content, age, grade level, anything. And then from there, that will inform the curricular instructional pieces, right? So what maybe most applies to my curriculum in this moment for this lesson for the children sitting in front of me? That makes total sense. And I assume it does the same for assessment as well? Yes. Right. Yeah. That's the last piece of yep. the puzzle. Mm -hmm. Maybe the first before you then yeah. teach again. Okay, that, that answers my question. Thank okay. you. Uh, does the committee have any others? I, I do. Just clarifying questions. 
question from my side. So learning walks twice in the year, and the goal at the end of the school year is to deliver a vision for high quality teaching and learning and leading. Yep. So, um, oh, sorry. So this vision that we're going to come up with after the iterations and the feedback and the inputs, um, is this going to be a continuous process for next year? Like, are you envisioning this will continue to have this type of cadence throughout, or? So the intent would be that this vision is aligned with our strategic plan, mm -hmm. right? Because that will have some component of informing the vision and this vision will inform the strategic plan. Um, and that together it will help inform sort of where we're going as a district, um, both in terms of professional learning, what do we need to build teachers' capacity in, um, how do we use this to inform our process of evaluation? How does it align with the DESI rubric for teacher evaluation? I think it has a lot of implications for who do we want to be mm -hmm. as a Canton district of, you know, of educators who are trying to educate students in a way that achieves high levels of achievement. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think it's gonna inform a lot of things and we're gonna use it in a lot of different ways. I think my hope is that it will align with our strategic plan, with our vision of a graduate, that all of it will come together in a way where it feels really coherent and it's not this one-off piece, but it's part of our whole Plan. And I would, if I'm understanding correctly, I would think that once we have this vision, which I think we need and I'm in support of, then we would have some specific targeted action items that would come exactly. from it so that we can actually work towards <coughs> achieving that vision exactly. or working towards that vision. Okay. Yep. Thank you. The, the, it's been great work and great experiences. The number of, I hadn't heard that number, the, the 109s, that's impressive. Uh, and it has been done with such intentionality, you know, the, the fruition, yes, there will be action steps in this, this professional learning. I think that when I've talked with Ms. Shannon, it's a lot of it is when you have a vision around high quality uh, teaching, learning, and leading, we often think about the educator and the, the instructional design and the moves that the teacher's moving. We have a very focus at shifting it rather to the design of what the students are doing mm -hmm. and the high quality tasks that they are doing. Um, and that, that's a shift, right? Like when we evaluate, we're, we're often evaluating teacher moves and are having that lens to it. The vision of high quality instruction actually is the work of the student. And to, to have them have uh, consistent and, and yet um, uh, strong experiences that they're doing you know and we talked about we talked about a little bit tonight around there was a, a, a time and place when you would just listen and sort of take it all in and and research definitely calls for much more activity uh, of the work of the students centered on that so that's something that I, I like seeing and, and we watch students often about the work that they're doing um, it's, it's just a different layer and different little thought process to it yeah you heard um, principal Mo Mulhern talking about decentralizing yes. the instruction. And it's things like that that will land itself in the vision um, to guide that student le learning experience. 
Any other comments or discussion from the committee? Hearing none, thank you very much. We'll move on to the next item on the agenda. Appreciate that update. So the next item is H, public comment. I believe we have no one here this evening signed up for public comment or virtual. So we'll move on to the next item, which is I, our Director of Finance and Operations report. Is there anything else to report, Mr. Marshall? Nothing additional to report. We'll keep it moving. Next item on the agenda is J, our consent agenda. We have item 1234, the regular session minute, minutes dated January 19th, 2023, our executive session minutes dated December 3rd, 2022, and then January 19th, 2023. We have an overnight travel request to a DECA state competition, which is Boston Marriott Copley, March 9th through March 11th, 2023, and then we have a warrant dated February 3rd, 2023. Are there any items in the consent agenda the committee wishes to remove for discussion or further review? Hearing none, I will ask for a motion. Do I hear one? To approve the consent agenda. So moved. Second. All in favor by roll call, Ms. Apolita? Aye. Ms. Moran? Aye. Ms. O'Halloran? Aye. Excellent, it's an aye from me. Four zero, the consent agenda is approved. And so then the next item on the agenda is K, our update of subcommittee task force and liaison posts. Let's start down this side, Ms. Arbolita. Any updates from you? No new updates other than the, the policy review that we're working through. So that's ongoing. Wonderful. And that's like the halfway point almost. Yeah. Because even though it's D, the bulk of our policies are A, B, C, D. D. And then <laughs> the sections get smaller from there. So exciting. Um, from my perspective, the only update I'd have is really shared um, with uh, Mr. Marshall and Mr. Folan, and that is having had successful uh, meeting of um, potential project managers for oh, our Galvin uh, Middle School, and I'll, I'll save the rest of the update for, for them to provide. But there's nothing else for me. This, I was going to share that as, as well. Uh, I want to thank Mr. Marshall for guiding a lot of that process. We're not at liberty yet to, to share some of the specific details, but uh, the process was sound in line with MSBA. Uh, we're excited to you know make some announcements, possibly at the next school committee meeting. Uh, okay. But you know, I think for the most part, um, the folks from MSBA are really pleased that we're on track deadline-wise with uh, going through this feasibility phase. Wonderful. And if I can say, I was really pleased with the quality of the candidates. Yeah. We had three very engaged uh, group that evening, uh, helping to ask questions. Uh, each of the candidates got an hour to present yeah. and uh, field question and answers from us, all the same question and answers. Uh, and I feel really optimistic that we're going to have a terrific partner to reveal very soon. Yeah, so I'll just add, you know, we had seven total companies that uh, provided proposals. Uh, we shortlisted that to three. Um, we interviewed all three of those. Um, we have uh, narrowed down to, to a selection. Uh, we're currently in the process of negotiating um, terms and a contract with, um, with <coughs> a uh, selected um, firm. And um, I'm confident that that uh, we will success, successfully negotiate um, a contract with them. Uh, we are uh, on a tight deadline to provide the MSBA with our selection um, by Wednesday of next week. And uh, 
we will provide to the MSBA an unsigned um, contract. Uh, they will review. It's okay. early March um, uh, that we have a meeting. Uh, they have a board meeting. Well, they, they will review those documents, vote on them, uh, provide any feedback if there is any back to us, um, at which point we can execute the contract and then move forward with the process um, after bringing on um, an OPM. The next process is to really go out um, for a designer um, to start uh, the actual feasibility uh, study. So. Hopefully, at the next meeting, we'll be able to provide uh, more information. Uh, but we are, are very excited. Um, and uh, it, it's, it was a, a thoughtful, uh, thorough process um, that I think we are all very proud of. Um, so it, it's, a, it's a very good step forward in the Galpin Middle School project. Yes. Wonderful. And can I say unanimous selection of the finalist? Yeah. Mm -hmm. OK. All right, any other updates, uh, Ms. Moran or Mr. Marshall? Uh, it's been all finance all the time. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't have anything more. Okay, wonderful. So then we will move on to the next item. Christian, on. Um, what about? Um, and Ms. O'Halloran, I'm sorry, <laughs> thank you. That's okay. No, I would have jumped in otherwise, but I don't have any updates other than what's already been shared. Okay, wonderful. So I'm good, thank you. All right, thank you. So next on the agenda is item item L, other business, topics not reasonably anticipated in the last two days, 48 hours in advance of this meeting. So can I just share a, uh, just a point of information? Sure. So I shared with the committee that um, we can sign up to get the commissioner's newsletters. It was actually very, very interesting. Yes. And you. one thing that came up, and I'm just curious, it was a... Um, an online IEP tool that the, that the state is moving toward and um, expected that schools and districts will begin using the new IEP forms between fall 23 and fall 24. And I'm curious, how do we do IEPs now? Are they, are they online? Yeah, so we, I mean, there, we use, e come down. So loud, <laughs> then I can do it. Um, so we use eSped as our online platform that we use for our template, but that's different than what the, um, SDA updates are going to be. They're actually rehauling the whole IEP template itself. Mm -hmm. So all of the software just take whatever the you know DESE approved template is for IEP documents mm -hmm. and upload that and use it. So the IEP improvement project has been going on. It was actually supposed to roll out this coming year. Mm -hmm. They pushed it back another year. They're getting more feedback from different stakeholders and what have you. It's going to be a pretty big <coughs> shift. Mm -hmm. The meat and potatoes of the current IEP are still going to live in the new um, template. It's just it refocuses, reprioritizes, it kind of allows for um, a more focused discussion. I've seen the template. Um, there's several school districts that are <coughs> piloting it now currently. The, um, it will sort of impact our discussion around SIS, right? So ESPED is different than Redeker, which we use now. When we look at it, do we want to shift and make those changes? It's kind of all up for discussion and debate. The, the best advice that I've been given so far from the early adopters are to start using the template. So they're gonna give us the template like in Word so it doesn't matter if we have our you know, actual eSped updated. But to start using it next year um, to anticipate being ready for the rollout the following year, even if we ask teams to just kind of do, like do a duplicate template, one, you know, one per month or something like that, just to get everyone more familiar with it because it's gonna take more time as people get used to, you know, it's a different order of operations kind of. 
And I'm just thinking about the parent piece of it, the family piece of it. So, so the communication to them, letting them know what's going on, things are coming. I mean, is what's you know what's the thought process around that? Yeah. So a lot of parent advocacy groups, also, um, you know, in the special ed world, have been involved mm -hmm. in in the feedback and the discussions with Desi. I would anticipate that they're going to give us really good. I mean, they're usually awesome about giving us templated guidance about what to push out to families, how mm -hmm. to explain it. I would envision that it's going to be most impactful when you're first going through that meeting. You know, it's great to see sort of what it looks like, but I think the look and the feel of it is just going to kind of have to happen as we go through the meetings. The early adopter districts that are doing it were like, be prepared. It takes longer to get through a meeting. Do you know what I mean? Just until everyone is kind of understanding, you know, okay, this was where something went before. This is where it goes now. Um, you know, substantive shifts are around... There's some new language um, with regards to, we used to look at like accommodations that kids need, right, within their general ed classroom to, to access, you know, content area classes. And then we also had sections that were around um, supporting other areas, right? And, and they're calling that now the life of the school, which I actually like, and they have a lot of different visuals about really understanding not just how your disability can impact you in reading and math, but really how it impacts your ability to transition independently in the school, how you access peers at lunch and recess, how you, um, you know, prepare for course selection in high school, like those kind of things and advocacy. So there's a lot of it that I think is gonna be really um, awesome and more, you know, have a more well-rounded view of the supports that kids need. And I would anticipate some growing pains, right, as we move through because change is not, you know, a favorable thing necessarily to everyone. But um, so far, so good as far as what I've seen. Okay, thank you for the update. Yeah, thank you. Any other uh, topics not reasonably anticipated? All right, hearing none, we will move on to future business. Item M, next open session meeting is scheduled for Thursday, February 16th, 2023 at 6 p.m. Hope to see you then. I get a motion for adjournment. So moved. Second. All right, all in favor, Ms. Arbolita? Aye. Ms. Moran? Aye. Ms. O'Halloran? Aye. And I said aye for me, 4-0. Good night, everybody. Thank you very much. Thank you.